The Rebbe is going to highlight for us two elements of the design of the menorah that the Rambam is very specific about. One, which carries a powerful, beautiful spiritual lesson for us, and the other, a practical lesson that affects the kind of artwork and the kind of menorah design that we tend to use. So, when it comes to the Gevim, which are like these so-called goblets that are part of the design of the branches of the menorah, so the sages tell us, what are these so-called goblets compared to? Alexandrian cups. The Rambam, in his commentary on the Mishnah, points out, what is an Alexandrian cup? He tells us, where the base of the cup is narrower than the top of the cup. The deck is small, as we say in Yiddish. It's not only something the Rambam says in his commentary on the Mishnah, but it's also how he renders the halacha in his work of halacha. He says, that these gavim on the menorah design are like these Alexandrian cups that come to a narrower base, whereas the, the mouth of the cup, in other words, the drinking part of the cup, is wider. So, bearing that in mind, it's actually very unusual how the Rambam actually does, draws or expresses what these cups should look like. So, in the Rambam's Pirisha Mishnayis, so we've come to discover that the Rambam drew a diagram of what the menorah looks like. <coughs> And what's interesting, the way that he, do, that he draws these so-called cups on the menorah is what appears to be upside down. So the wider part of the cup is facing downwards on the menorah, and the narrower base of the cup, which usually should be at the bottom, is actually at the top. In other words, they're upside-down cups. And even though the Rambam, and you may say, wasn't paying attention to the detail of this of this diagram, because he does say, he says himself that he's only trying to give us an overview of, generally speaking, what the menorah looked like. How many of all the different design elements they were, where they were on the menorah. But he did not in, uh, intend to give us the exact, specific, precise uh, pic- picture of what the particular elements, in this case, the gvim, the cups, looked like. And that would explain what the If you have a look at the picture, you'll see that it actually draws these um, cups as triangles, which is not possible. Yes, those Alexandrian cups come to a narrow base, but they would never be a pointed triangular base. Anybody can understand you would never design a cup that comes to a point because <coughs> then you'd have no way to actually set that cup onto a table or a surface in order to stand because it comes to a point. It's just that they are narrower than the opening of the cup at the top. Yet in the picture, he draws them as triangles. So maybe the fact that he draws them facing a particular way is not something that the Rambam paid attention to. Obviously, it goes without saying that while the Rambam wasn't giving us that level of detail in his diagram, he certainly would not have drawn something which is the opposite of how it's actually meant to be. Upside down, unless, of course, that's how it is 
meant to be, especially when you remember the Rambam is given a daikon how specific and meticulous the Rambam is about all kinds of detail. It would be ridiculous to suggest that the Rambam was happy to draw a picture of the menorah with these Gevi'im cups the wrong way around 22 times. So it obviously is intentional. Therefore we have to say simply, as the Rambam the reason the Rambam designed or drew his picture of the menorah with what looks like upside-down cups is is because the Rambam understands that the actual menorah that stood in the Mishkan and subsequently in the Beis HaMikdash, that design element called the so-called goblets or cups, was designed to look like upside-down cups. Either because that's a tradition that was passed down through the generations, or the Rambam had access to some kind of uh, source from our sages and majors, etc., which we do no longer have access to. And that's not unusual. You find it multiple times in the Rambam, and the truth is, <coughs> many of his contemporaries as well. That they quote things we do not actually have in text today. On a Brentus then you'll say, how come then does the Rambam not tell us this information when he writes the halachic side of the menorah in the Yad HaZokah? Well, he also doesn't include illustrations of the menorah in his Yad HaZokah. Which would mean that the Rambam has therefore omitted certain details that the picture would have illustrated. So why does the Rambam skip that kind of detail in his book of Halacha? There could be a couple of reasons. One explanation would be the Rambam never intended to use illustrations in the Mishnah Torah at all. And in the, the Pirusha Mishnah, he does. The other possible reason could be that the Rambam avoided completely bringing anything in the Sefer Yad that doesn't have an absolutely clear source in Gemara or Medrash, etc. And Gimel, or it could be that there are certain details that are included in the illustration that should they be missing from the menorah would not dis- uh, disqualify the menorah. So therefore he didn't keep it in the halachic side of pretty much everything that has to be part of the menorah. For all time, there might be other reasons as well. That's not what we're going to focus on, on here. It's something that deserves a lot of attention, but for in Kamakomi, this is not the place for that attention. We're rather going to focus on why would the cap designs on the menorah dafka be upside down. So, Hanel Feinfeld is Mavoy de Rambam. Now that we've dealt with this, so, and, and, and we understand why the Rambam's taken the particular approach that he has, speaking about it in the, uh, the Pirish HaMishnais and not in the Mishnah Torah. Now we can go back to our question. So the question still remains, why would the design of the Menorah specifically include these so-called Gevim, these so-called goblets that are upside down? Or Look at other elements of the, of the Mishkan. The Kroshim, which are wooden boards that make the whole structure of the Mishkan, had to be upright in the same direction that they would grow naturally. 
which is the part of the wood that came from the bottom, you know, that's closest to the trunk of the tree, would be at the bottom. And the part that had grown out would be at the top, or if they took the actual trunk itself, which is more likely, so then the part that was closer to the roots would be at the bottom, the part that had grown up would be towards the top. Not only is that relevant to the Kroshim, but in different length and upper klal, from that we actually learn a general principle about how mitzvahs are done. As kolam mitzvahs kulon, ein adam yotzeh ben ela derech gedei losan. If you're doing a mitzvah with an item that grows naturally, like a lulav, an esrik, adas, and marobis, which is the classic example that's used, you always have to use them to perform the mitzvah in the same natural direction that they grew. So why would we suddenly have this outlier of cups that are part of the design of the menorah opposite of how they are naturally made? To answer that, we actually have to look broader. What is the purpose of the menorah? And we will discover that the, the whole nature of the menorah fits with the message of these particular gevims. What is the nature and purpose of the menorah? Vegan the Menorah Zogn Chazal is a famous Gemara that tells us about the Menorah. The Menorah was not there to illuminate inside the Heichal, but rather, rather it was there to tell the world, to testify that the Divine Presence lives with the Jewish people. In other words, the purpose of the Menorah was not to light up a place where it stood. In fact, the Gemara says more than that. In that space, they did not need its light. Rather, it was supposed to message outside of the Mishkan and Beis Hamikdash, beyond it, to the whole world about the Ebrishos' presence together with the Yidden. Now, that affected the design of the actual building of the Beis Hamikdash. The windows in the building of the Beis Hamikdash were the reverse of normal windows. Now, shikufim atumim, partly, so to speak, transparent and open, and partly blocked, which means shikufim mi bachutz vatumim mi bifnim, breitein dreisen on shmolein avenik, wider on the outside, narrower on the inside, so the light from the inside would radiate outwards. Vimefarshim zayin dasim mefor, as the mefarshim explain. Because normally, our friends to read Geboita Zoe, we create windows in our own homes and buildings, as defense Tefnung is in a very brighter Vindresen. We want a wider inside of the window to the outside, because the purpose of a window is. We want the light from outside to come into the room and all the areas of the room. So we want as much light flowing into the room as possible. Whereas the windows of the base Amigdash are the exact reverse. They're narrow on the inside section. And they widen as they move outwards. That the light coming from the menorah inside the Heichel should radiate out into the world. Because as mentioned, the purpose of the menorah is to send a message to the world, not to illuminate indoors. Now that we know that the purpose of the menorah is to have an impact beyond the menorah and even beyond the base Amikdash, that helps us click what the purpose of these upside-down cups is all about. The So the Rabbeinu Bechaya points out that what is the significance anyway of a goblet on the menorah? He says, He says that what is a gevia? It is a cup that has a base and it is used in order to allow somebody to drink and to satiate their thirst, to quench their thirst. 
And he says what that represents in the greater scheme of things is the astro- astrological cycles that allow the flow of divine energy into our world, our lowly world, to feed our lowly world. They're not about absorbing energy for themselves. They're about distributing energy into our world. What Rabbi Bechai is telling us is that the symbolism of the Gevi'ah is to share, to give, to quench somebody else's thirst. The person who's thirsty implies that they're lacking something, and we're going to give them what they're lacking. In other words, the purpose of a cup is not fundamentally what it receives. That would be more aligned with, let's say, a barrel, which is all about receiving and storing a liquid. Depending on what barrel it is, it will store different kinds of liquids. A cup is the exact opposite. It will take water, wine, oil, whatever it is, out of the barrel or out of the spring. And then share it with a person who is thirsty and needs to drink. So now Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar's perspective on these gevim, these cups, aligns perfectly with our sages' perspective on what the menorah is. For generally, it's not about its own needs and its own illumination in its own space. Rather, it's about what it shares with others, with the so-called lowly world. That the definition of the value and purpose of the menorah is not in what it's going to take, but rather what it's going to share. Like the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar told us, it's to have an impact on the so-called lowly, thirsty world. Now, if that's what a gevi'ah is, generally what you give and what you share, we understand why the Rambam insists that they are so-called upside down. Now, we understand why the Rambam would depict these so-called cups on the menorah facing downwards. If the purpose of these ornamental gevi'ah cups would be in order to receive, let's say that's According to some opinions, the oil of the menorah would sometimes overflow and you needed something to catch it, and that was the purpose of these cups. Let's say that were the case. Like, for example, when you say in Kiddush, right? The whole purpose is you're holding the cup, which is a gevia, the becher, and it's, cause that's probably the closest <coughs> to, to what a gevia is. You, you get the wine that comes into it. Then you would have had it in such a way where you hold the bases at the bottom and the opening is at the top in order to receive. Because then it can obviously hold and contain the liquid that enters it. But as Rabbi Bechayas pointed out, in this particular context, what is a gevia? Something that shares, something that quenches thirst. Then the perfect way to depict a gevia is in its sharing mode upside down, letting the liquid flow out, or symbolizing the flow of that liquid. You turn the cup upside down, so that the liquid will flow out, and that's exactly what is symbolized on the menorah. So that's generally with regard to a cup. Because we're talking here about a menorah, whose purpose is to illuminate the world. And those people in the world are at a much lower spiritual state than the base Amigdash is. 
or to borrow the expression of Rabbeinu Bakaya, they're having an impact on a lowly world. Therefore, the Gevim that sit on the menorah are upside down. They are showing that the flow heads into the world. And that's exactly aligned with the design of the windows, as mentioned, of the Beis Amigdash, which are to spread light rather than to, to grab light. And that has a lesson for us. That's a great lesson for us from these Gevim with their narrow bases and wide openings for how we should engage with others. As Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar has pointed out, these Gevim generally represent the principle of sharing and quenching thirst. <coughs> so if you're sharing because you want to help somebody quench their thirst, you need to be generous. You need an, a big wide opening. So in spiritual terms, when it's our responsibility or opportunity to have a positive influence on another Jew, or more broadly speaking, we have the opportunity to impact the world and turn it into a place for God. To borrow the expression of our Chazal, that the menorah is this testimony to the world that Eibushte is with us. We've got to have a big wide opening, a big wide opening, right? Like the like the Gvia has. In other words, to go without limitations, to have an impact, to share with the other person as much as possible, to share with the world as much as, as, much as possible. So what you've got to do is you've got to kind of fill yourself with as much energy and resource as possible to be able to share with the world. Now, if you're talking about the person's own development, I want to help God with especially when a person is just starting out in their spiritual development. Or even if a person is a little bit more advanced in their spiritual development, but they're still at the stage where they have a very limited progress, you know, step by step. That's when the person is like a regular cup that has to receive, and therefore the opening is facing upwards. I'm in receiving mode. But when a person is in that mode of sharing and giving, which we all need to do on a regular basis, especially because every one of us has to regularly engage with turning our world into a place that accommodates godliness, we have to realize that to have that impact on others and to have that impact on the world cannot have any restraints. So the broad, the open space has to be directed outwards, towards the world, towards the person. In simple terms, when it's time to share, when it's time to impact the world, don't hold back. In a different sikha, the Rebbe speaks about the three different contributions that the Yidden in the Midbar had to make towards the Mishkan, some of which went into making the silver for the bases that would hold up the crushing boards that made the structure of the Mishkan, some that went into the half shekel for maintenance, and some that was a whole array of different materials that they contributed to actually make the Mishkan. So the Rebbe explains, The first two kinds of contribution was the effectively the half shekel that was given either to the 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 <coughs> treasure of the base treasury of the base Amigdash or the Mishkan at that time, or towards the silver. Everybody gave one type of material, and everybody gave the same. 
But when it came time to contribute to building the Mishkan, every sphere of life had to be involved. Things that grow vegetation, unchai, and animals like the skins that were used for the for the roof. And of course, the human being who made all the contributions, the whole world was represented in the process of building the Mishkan. And the reason for that is because the original contributions of the silver that would make the bases for the Krushim that would hold up the Mishkan and the general half shekel, they represent when a person is setting up the foundations of how they're going to serve Hashem, the beginning of the process. That's when a person sets up certain cycles and habits that they're going to follow that will happen in a consistent way because that's how we serve the Ebishter. On Hebendik for Moidani, you start off with Moedani that you say every single day, and then you go from one level to the next level to the next level in a regular, repetitive progression. Whereas the contribution to the materials that needed to build the Mishkan is Well, the purpose of building the Mishkan is that the Ebesha should dwell with us, which is an overview of the principle of making this world a godly place. That is something which doesn't have the same restrictions that it has to be in this particular way. There are many and multiple ways that we engage with Abish and turn this world into his home. It has to affect every single facet of the world as so-called broad open space. And therefore it makes sense that although we have a principle that generally speaking anything that you use for a mitzvah has to be in its natural state, the way it grows, so you hold the lulav facing upwards and the esrik facing upwards, etc., because that's actually where we focus on it and learn it is with the lulav esrik, etc., that's all very well when you're dealing with ordinary mitzvahs, but what the menorah represents has to be much broader. Because because generally speaking mitzvahs, and specifically the mitzvahs of the four species of the Lulav and Esrik, which represent literally all the different components of Seder Hishtalshlus, the ordinary structure of how our world exists, so the way you operate in those mitzvahs has to be with a particular order, with a particular, it has to go the way that it, you expect it to go naturally. So the way you fulfill that mitzvah <coughs> reflects the way they wish to create that particular item. In fact, even these gevim that are the ornamental cups on the menorah, the actual design is the natural design of an Alexandrian cup. Narrow, narrow towards the base and wide towards the opening. But But when they are beaten out of the solid gold of the menorah, in other words, they're part of the menorah. And their purpose in the menorah is not to just simply do a mitzvah, but to have an impact on the thirsty world out there and fill it with godliness. Then is this in order to have that impact, in order to transform the world, a person has to break free of their normal behaviors and their habitual state. To escape themselves effectively. And that's why the entire structure of the Ebishter's home, the Beis Hamikdash, is different to the usual, where the light radiates out. And the menorah, which is supposed to impact, represent our impact on the world, is an upside-down cup to show that you've got to give the world as much as possible beyond what makes sense to you. 
Funa Perochov, So therefore, the way that we engage with the world has to be beyond the restrictions that we expect for ourselves. That's part one of the Sikha, the, let, the lesson of the upside down cup, and a great message for us. Part two of the Sikha, focusing on the same diagram of the Rambam, is where the Rambam, uh, where the Rebbe points out that there's this great mis, uh, misconception about what the Menorah and the Beis Hamikdash looked like. And it's, it's quite surprising there should be such a misconception when you have such a clear diagram from the Rambam. There's another important detail about the depiction of the Menorah that the Rambam makes in his illustration. The Rambam's description of the Menorah or depiction of the Menorah looks really different to what we're used to seeing. The way that the Rambam draws the menorah, the branches of the menorah come out at diagonals. Which is different to the classic menorahs that we always see, which are curved um, branches of the menorah. Maybe you could really try and stretch this as far as possible and argue as the Rambam that the Rambam drew it this way just to make it a, an easier depiction of the Menorah. That's what you might think, but we have evidence to the contrary. Because the Rambam's own son states unequivocally that the branches come out from the stem of the menorah towards the top of the menorah in straight lines. As my father of blessed memory drew it. Not as curved branches as others have drawn it. So there you have it clearly that the Rambam's angular version of the menorah was intentional. In fact, Rashi says the same thing. Rashi says clearly that the branches of the, of the menorah were angular. That's how the menorah should look. So that means that the typical depiction of the menorah in the Mishkan and Beis Amikdash does not fit with Rashi, who is the most simple interpretation of the Chumash, nor with the Rambam, who is the greatest halachic authority, who drew us a picture. So where did this mistake come from? So there is a book called Meisachoshev by the same author of the Mishnah's Chassidim. This is a little bit more latter, 18th century. So he writes clearly as the Shisha Kanim Eagle. He writes clearly that the branches of the of the menorah were curved. On and he explains as from He quotes Rashi and says. Taka Rashi implies that these were angular, straight branches, not curved, aesthetic branches. But then he says this, If you look in the Mishnah Torah of the Rambam, he argues the Rambam does not specify that they were angular branches of the menorah. He just simply says they, were, they extended from the stem upwards. On a brings was the Balchochmas Mishkan Shrived, and it brings another more so-called re- recent Achroin commentary on the Mishkan, which says, as for them, the fact that the Rambam did not specify that the branches are angular is neither Beagle implies that they probably curved upwards from the central stem. And the Maisecheshev is Messiah, and therefore the Maisecheshev concludes, and it would actually be logical to say that the Branch, that the branches of the menorah were curved because the that would make sense because the curve would represent the orbit of the various celestial spheres 
the seven celestial spheres that the menorah is supposed to represent. Now, the, in the in the Hara, the Rebbe points out, well, then if that's the case, surely the central stem of the menorah should also be curved because it's seven celestial spheres. Nobody's going to suggest that the central beam, the central pole of the menorah should curve, so the entire logic seems to fall down. Either way, says the Rebbe, but if he, Aniyaz Daiti, the Rebbe says, humbly my view is, that by the Maseh the Maseh gives us his motivation. That the reason he believes that the branches were curved is from Stimas Lesheno Rambam Bechiburai, is because of an omission of the Rambam saying the word diagonal. Lois Geteva Salachson, he didn't use that word. Mustafunis Nira, which gives him the impression that the branches of the menorah were curved. And he says it's a, an argument that he came to logically. That's all fine and well. Now that we have the benefit of access to the Rambam's illustration, which perhaps they did not have at that time or in that region. And we have and we have the Rambam's son attesting to the fact that the illustration was specifically drawn that way. Where he says the fact that my father drew the menorah at angles was with absolutely meticulous detail and intention. That it should be straight and not curved. Is bottle how you say it, or bottle habinian, the entire basis for the argument in favor of a curved menorah collapses because the menorah, the curved menorah theory was built on something the Rambam apparently didn't say. Now that we have an illustration, we know very much that's what the Rambam said. Therefore, with respect, says the Rebbe, and humbly the Rebbe says, Had these two venerable authors seen this drawing from the Rambam, and had they encountered the commentary of his own son about that illustration, then they would have also said, nobody argues about what the menorah looked like. Everybody would agree that the branches of the menorah are angular, straight. As the Altarebbe points out in his Shukhanorach, because of the nature of printing, there were many early uh, compilations that were not freely available at the time that latter sages composed their books. And that's why you can't necessarily rely on something that a latter scholar said if he didn't have access to an earlier tri- manuscript. If this is all true, we have a responsibility to restore the authentic version of the Menorah. Any person who is in the business of illustrating the menorah of the Mishkan of the Beis Hamikdash, who wants to illustrate to children or others what the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash of the Mishkan looked like, should depict the menorah with angular branches, straight angled branches. Kedas Rashi to suit the opinion of Rashi, which is the simplest interpretation of the verses of Torah. Veho Rambam and the Rambam, who is such a an important halachic authority, especially when we now realize that there's probably nobody who would dispute this. 
the most schinnig weg hayotze bozei avel chazay nimetzari avzei gilionis blanken chayotze bozei that siram neira. So that likewise, all kinds of educational institutions and others who use templates or or um, letterheads with a menorah, they take into kneir menorah bikatzoi keshes using the curved menorah as part of the letterhead. Is he bald in matorah from them tzuris? So dinen al stemonun if the menorah should be mishkan uva migdash. Their intention in having that menorah as part of the letterhead is to remember to remember to recall the menorah that used to be in the mishkan on the base of migdash. Is kedai uva yosa as is all the meshanas and them tzuris and mitzayis and yekanabalachsin. It is most appropriate for them to redo those templates and include a menorah that has the straight angled branches. Now the bai kum tzu ud kum tzu nochayinian. That also brings another issue into play over here. Where did this, this curved illustration originate? This depiction of the menorah with round or rounded branches is most likely originated in we Jewish people copying the illustrations and depictions of non-Jews, particularly in Rome. Worst, we probably have these menorahs based off the menorah depicted on the arch of Titus, the wicked Titus, symbolizing the victory of the Romans over the Jewish people. When Titus destroyed the base Amigdash, one of the things that he did was to instruct that they should take all the vessels of the base Amigdash as booty back to Rome. In his honor and for his victory, they made this massive arch called the Arch of Titus in Rome. And they depicted on that arch, taking the Romans, taking the parts, the, the elements of the base of including the menorah, back to Rome. It's a sign of their victory over us. So the menorah that is shown on the arch of Titus has curved branches of the menorah. Well, the first thing that we have to consider is why would we rely on the detail of the Arch of Titus, which clearly was not intended to show the specifics of what the menorah actually looked like. It was there to show what the victory looked like. The entire purpose of this, of this uh, masonry on the, on the arch is all to illustrate the victory and dominance of the Romans over us. That's why capita. That's why many times in this arch it contains those words, Yehuda Eden is gefangen, that the Jews have been taken captive. During history, there were times that they forced the Jewish community to stand under that arch. So that they should notice what it states, that they are prisoners, effectively, refugees. To demean the Jewish people. That's what we're going to use as the source of how we depict the menorah of the Mishkan of Esamikdash. Therefore, to depict the menorah as a rounded menorah, as on the Arch of Titus, should shock us to the core. We should scream out in protest. How could we keep menorahs that perpetuate the message of Rome's dominance over us? 
Especially when you consider that it is against the views of Rashi and the Rambam, who did know what the menorah actually looked like. Every single time we present a menorah looking like the one on the Arch of Titus, we give some kind of authenticity to the, to the Arch. The whole purpose of that Arch was to demean us. How's there a round of menorah on the Arch? Possibly it's one of the other menorahs that served other purposes in the Beis HaMikdash. So therefore, instead of using the menorah as a symbol to remind us that we have to illuminate the world and the nations of the world, that we should use the menorah as a means to testify to the world that the Shekhinah is with us. So what do people do? They reproduce menorahs that give the exact opposite message. The opposite, that we are not influencing the world, God forbid, or that we are moved from the place of the Shekhinah, etc. That is something we obviously cannot tolerate, and so therefore we have to do everything in our power to ensure that when we depict the menorah of the Mishkan, of the Beis Amikdash, it should be with the angled, straight branches there in the Ha'ara the, the, the Rebbe says and possibly you should do the same for Hanukkah menorahs as well we should very soon experience the Gula and then we'll actually have the menorah without any debates a complete menorah in the third base and everybody can see what the menorah really looks like and we'll have Moish and Aaron with us. And we'll see with our own eyes the fulfillment of the instruction. The instruction that the Ebesha gave to Moish to tell Aaron to light them. And we'll see it happen with our own eyes. We should see it in the most simple, not theoretical, abstract book form, but in real life. It should happen immediately.